Welcome to the Friends of First Worship podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Friends of First Worship podcast. John Bolin here with my friend today, Don Cook. Donald Me, Cook. Don, this way. Just Don. The ALD, we can lose that. <laughs> is it Donald, by the way? Unfortunately. Is it really? It is, it is Donald. Good. So when I call you that, just has been kind yeah. of a joke, yeah. but yeah. it's don't, actually right. Yeah, don't call me that. Okay, okay. <laughs> good, I will Donald. never call you that, Donald. <laughs> no, no, All right. Uh, uh, it is awesome to have you, man, on, on the show Thanks. today um, because we have a listener question today. That's what our uh, topic is. We got this question from Walter who asked this, John, I'd love to know what the process is for you and Don as you write together, which Don, as I have thought about this, I think we've written close to 50 songs together. Yeah. That's crazy. That sounds right. Well, one, mm-hmm. I just want everybody to know who, who this guy is that I'm, I'm talking to. 39 number one hits, right? Yeah. So, and all those songs we've written together, truly, if you want to know the, want to know the process, Don just brings a song, ninety-eight <laughs> percent written. No, no, that's not. And true. I go, hmm, let's put it in that key, and that's no. my only contribution no, or key true. change. Hey, we should do that key. Well, change. you are the king of the key yeah, change. I, <laughs> you are that. You are that. I'll give you that. I like to tell people you have thirty-nine number one hits by yourself, mm-hmm. and together. We have 39 number one hits. (laughs) (laughs) That's my claim to fame, man. There you go. Well, Walter, thanks for the question. We are going to just tackle that today a little bit. One, Don, it's it's awesome to write with you and have a partner in ministry. And um, some people, uh, I was asked the other day kind of how you came to Houston, which I think is an interesting story, that I, I called you completely a cold call. Right. One day I was in Southern California for something out there and uh, had been thinking about, you know, starting this venture of first worship, which we didn't even, I didn't even know what it was going to be called at that, at, at that point. And I knew I needed a partner who knew the publishing world, that knew the writing world, uh, producing world, recording world, and uh, your name had been given to me and called you complete, completely out of the blue one day. What We don't even talk about this much. Did you realize, who in the world is this dude, John, yeah, well, from Houston? Yeah, First of all, but, you're like, I, there's no way well, I'm moving since, to Houston. Since that time, I have improved my screening process so the call like that doesn't get through next time. So I have I'm done so that. Glad. So, I'm so glad. Yeah. What did you think that day? No, I, I you know, honestly, I think that, um, you know, we had some direct connections with some other friends and, and things like that. So it wasn't, you know, once I found that out, that was fine. I... I you were not as much of a stranger as you think you were. I mean, uh, total strangers So my name are really got yeah, around. Yeah, it got around, yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah, stay truly, away from this stay bowling away this guy. guy. Whatever. Um, but no, it was a little out of the out of the ordinary for me. But the 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 thing is, God has been God had been working on me and our family and and all of that in Nashville for a while, and so. The call, which in normal circumstances would have been a suggestion for the ludicrous to to go to Houston, um, really, uh, it was a sense of, you know, we were trying to figure out whether we needed a break from Nashville. Just just a sense of what we love Nashville, and Nashville is amazing. It's an incredible song town, and and um, it's been kind to me, but but. 
you know, to connect deeper to a church is, and, and, and not necessarily a music industry church. And that, that's a huge difference between sometimes churches in Nashville and other areas. Um, and it just feels different. And the biggest, the, one of the greatest joys is, is that I get to play here on Sunday and sit in front of a piano and play. I really never really did that in Nashville. And uh, so that is, you know, feeds my soul. So it's like, you know, to a starving person moving where the food is. That That's probably a good decision. So, you know, ultimately it worked out that way. I mean, it was, it, it was a, a whole lot more difficult than that. But obviously sure. looking back on it, I go, okay, well, the starving went to where the food is. And so having that, that Sunday morning, I look to my left as a piano player and see a large congregation that I'm supposed to be communicating with from a song perspective. And so it just narrowed. I needed to narrow my vision a little bit more instead of writing for the masses, so to speak, write for a local church, write for, you know, where I am. And and God was still faithful to take that those songs into national platforms and still does, but my mindset changed a little bit more. Yep. I, I needed to kind of see people that I couldn't see anymore when I, you know, I saw them when I was 25, I could go into an, an empty eight by 10 room and write a song in the walls. I would see, I would see the people I'm supposed to write for. Well, as I got older, that, that was harder and harder to see. So I had to go find them. And that was really gasoline for the car, so to speak. And it, so, so going going to Houston, you know, looking back on it, I I I wondered I wonder why I fought that so much. It was a little bit of a battle, but when I when I just said, you know, Lord, if if my future is to sit at a piano and and play for a congregation, I I'll be okay with that. I, mm. I think I'll be okay with that. And that's probably a really great transition into our process, starting from the end, working backwards, yeah. because the end for us is the people, right. Um, right. which is something I remember you, you told me a couple of times that you've been here, you know, how this is really the first time that you get to write a song and actually see immediately right. how, to, how it right. connects with Correct. our congregation. And that's Correct. really key to us here at First Worship right. is actually how does it connect, right? That's our even our core four. The first one is connect. So even with songs, it has to start with did it connect or did it not? So right, right. working from back, you know, working backwards, that's where the process ends is, hey, it worked, right? Or it connected or it didn't. Because um, there's been songs that we've written that you're like, you know, we both, I don't know, I don't know if that one really landed as well as we thought it would, you know? And you have to be honest with that. Yeah, I think that always it's, that you're, you're talking about an, an advantage that an artist usually has as they record songs and, and sing them and then go out to the public and see them. They have direct imp, impact on those people and those people respond. And so there's really direct signals about whether you've been successful as a, as a writer. A writer in Nashville who kind of stays put and writes for lots of different projects and, and for lots of different artists really doesn't have that advantage. And so that can go on for a good amount of years until you really need to find those people and hear those stories for yourself, not hear them by way of an artist telling you, hey, your song had an impact, this person came up to me. That works for a while. When you have to, you, when you want your own stories that you tell, yeah, someone came up to me 
mm. and said to me that, that 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 changes it a little bit. And so to put skin on on a song, so to speak, and and that's it's a great gift, you that's know. Great, a lot man. of people have, you know. So and it and the church is the place for that. That's a joy, yeah. no question for both of us. Um, I think probably the first thing that is as we go back to the beginning of our process is to state there is no one process, yeah. right? Yeah. The, <laughs> because the process is there's no process. That's that's yeah. right for yeah. us. And so um, a lot of times, uh, you know, I, I'll say this. I'll start this with my favorite process or start of a process is when you and I get away out of this building. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple of places that we love to go, whether it be our the lake house. You know, we have a friend in our ministry that owns a lake house. And, and that's probably my favorite is when you and I get away for a day or right. even couple days and just kind of dig deep right. into songwriting world. and Because uh, you'll never hear a writer say, hey, come to my lake house. Because yeah. writers don't have lake houses. <laughs> Certainly you know, want to clarify that. That's clarify not that my right lake house. Now, no writers have lake houses. Or <laughs> beach a, houses or mountain houses. I have a, I have a puddle homes. house at yes. my place in the backyard. Yeah. Harvey, it come to my basement. stays there, the puddle. Yes. No, yeah. so, but we... we there's lots of different things that we do. A lot of times you'll come together, uh, you know, we'll come together with an idea. That's a lot of times how right. we start with it or whether a chorus or sometimes we just start talking and we go, man, I've been thinking about this. What if and we start trying to unpack this, either whether it's a theological thought, you know, uh, a mysterious thought of some type that we're trying to get down into a framework of actually understanding. Because if we don't understand what we're trying to say, then it doesn't, I think, make a lot of sense, obviously, to, sure. to the listeners. So um, there's lots of different ways that we start a song, but one of us, the blessing of both of us being uh, somewhat, um, you know, able on the piano is that you and I, a lot of times, we'll switch back and forth. Sure. And so that's kind of fun. Sure. Um, many times, you know, whether, depending on the idea, who owns the idea, you know, you may start on the keys and you're playing around and you're like, what do you think about this? And then I'll go, no, get up. That's terrible. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, it's actually it's the other way around. It's true. It's true. <clears throat> no, it's usually the other way it's around. True. You're like, John, no. that sounds like every other no. song you've written. No. Get up. Let me show you. You're the king of the melody, man. You are. This is this oh, is you. this is incredible. So, um, but we we work through. Tell and and I want you to talk about the process of lyric. Of there's yeah. a, there's crafting the the lyric that I think is so crucial. We're, you know. Um, Sometimes a melody comes, right? Once you get a first chorus, well, a first verse, well, that's what the second verse is going to do, you right. know? But the right. lyric is where I think uh, the meat of the meal comes from. Talk yeah. about talk about that a little bit. Well, I think, first of all, everything, let me just say for the record, everything I know about lyric writing, I learned from people who can really write lyrics, people like Dave Clark and Tony Wood and Christy Nordoff. I mean, those people... Especially Dave Clark, who had a massive impact in my life as a lyricist. I never wrote a lyric, really, for many, 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 many years anywhere in the room with Dave Clark. I just when you when he turns his laptop around and recites four or five lines, you go, "Oh, okay, I'm that terrible of a writer." That he's amazing, and so I just become a composer. I think that first of all, a strength is that. You got co-writers know their roles. They know when they really need to pick up the ball and run with it. And so I have this process of saving my co-writer, and I need him to save me when I'm not, when I just can't connect with the idea, or I'm standing outside the door of the idea. I just can't get through that door. I don't get it. 
Um, I need my co-writer to rescue me, so to speak. And so that's the art of being in a room with somebody is to, especially when you do share some commonalities, you write music, you both play, so you're both demonstrators of of melody and things like that. You got to be in each other's way, but be outside of each other's way at the same time. From a lyrical perspective, there's some just basic fundamental things that I have kind of learned from people like Dave, from a cra- people will call it a craft, the craft of lyric writing. And essentially, it's a good fair, book, by yeah, the way. which was a great book. Um, the, the realities are I write lyrics on my fingers. You know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I, uh, me counting on my fingers. I have. So explain that for the well, listener that don't Well, essentially, um, the verses are going to match up. In other words, the first, the second verse is going to go like the first verse does. And I'm a, pretty much of a freak as far about as that. Syllable counts. Yeah, the syllable counts. I will count the number of syllables. And even stresses. Correct. Important. You can have the right amount of syllables, but if the stresses are wrong, the, the line will not feel right. Some people take huge melody or liberties into the second verse because they go, oh, I've said what I need to say. Well, let me just say for the record, you can say what you need to say and have it match up and do not stop until that process that you have achieved that. Otherwise, you are a beginner writer. If you want to do it, there's a joke that goes around that your uh, players, you know, when we're, we're making records, they'll go, okay, so how... what?" What we're doing, how does that compare to how the pros do it? Same thing. If you want to know how the pros do it, they sit there and they wait for that line to be perfect. And that is the cost that most writers are unwilling to pay. Tony Wood once said, and I love this quote, he said, some writers will, uh, will wait to write until they're inspired, but I write... Uh, until it's inspired. That's Did I correct. say that right? That's correct. <laughs> it's amazing. I love that because it, it gets, it's okay to keep working, keep working, keep working until you feel like, and, and I love that moment. Honestly, it's a little bit of a high when you go, yes, yes. that's it. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like you're, you're searching or you're digging for treasure and you find it. And it really is this joy of finding that pearl. Well, part of it is the song deserves the most valuable thing you have to offer it. And the most valuable thing you contain is your time. So if you've offered your song none of your time, then you don't have much of a song. And you must write so that it becomes habitual, that, that, that this is something that's a habit that is uh, – and I love the idea. I, I believe in like magic rooms. I believe in, you know, that, that kind of stuff. The walls speak. and Baptist. Yeah, I'm magic. sorry. I'm sorry. We can't say we're magic. Um, Spirit-filled. Spirit-filled rooms. <laughs> um, but I, I really do go to particular rooms. Um, uh, there's a room in Nashville uh, at Integrity's office that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. I There's just there's something Brentwood about Baptist it. Baptist yeah, Chapel Brentford's is Baptist great. Chapel is fantastic. I'm, there's just something. I'm a believer that God put the song in the room before I got there. And it's my job to find it. And the most thing, and again, I'm willing to pay a dear cost, and that's my time. And I truly believe that most of what I write is terrible until somewhere through the process, someone else goes, that's really good. I assume it's terrible. And so I just don't think that I'm all that great, and it keeps me on the chase. And so I love the chase of of a song, to get, to have an idea that's, 
really difficult to write, like a song that has a lot of internal rhymes or syllable counts that are crazy or stresses that are weird. I love that because the degree of difficulty, I think I'm going to get really high marks from the Russian judge. I mean, it's just going to be, <laughs> wow, I, I that process is a high. It's like, yep. I got it. I wrestled this thing to the ground and it's really good. It's really good. And so, but I also walk away from the room going, okay, I like this. I really do. And I hope somebody else does so I can relax a little bit and think that I actually really did write something that's great. My process is always about searching for someone else to go, I love that. I do not write for myself. Which which goes back to the importance of co-writing, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I certainly have learned so much about that concept from you and Boy, you're such a believer in that, that there's power to get. In fact, if you want to know the process, number one process is do it with with someone, right? And it doesn't mean that you can't ever write by yourself. And some some great things that you've written certainly have been by yourself. But um, there is power, as Scripture would say. There is wisdom with many counselors, right? Iron sharpens iron. All those things that are biblical concepts are true in the writer's room. And we found that to be true. Obviously, you've done that your whole career. Yeah, I think that uh, because I am also a fan of the song and a fan of the songwriter and the process, because I I I love and admire people like Tony Wood. I I want to get in the room and and not just write a great song. We're gonna write a great song. Yeah, it's it's that's it. I I I love that chase. But I admire him, and I'm thinking I'm going to learn something as he writes. Yeah, and I'm good. just going to go, he's going to write a second verse that's going to stun me. And I'm going to go, okay, I got to learn something from that second verse. Something that when when I'm in a situation and Tony's not in the room, yep. and if I'm on my own, how can I put on my Tony Wood ball cap and pretend to be him for that's a second? Great. And so it's really, it, it's really about... I. I'm searching for other people, how they do things, how they approach writing, whether there are some people who are worshipers. That's how they write. They worship in the moment. Chrissy Nordoff is like that. Um, I've learned a, a real important lesson with her, and it, it wasn't right away. It took a little bit, but I learned with Chrissy that we write a really great solid verse and a chorus, and then we're going to get ready to to record it into our phones so we don't forget it, which, by the way, always record your songs into your phone so you don't forget it because you will forget them. That's part of the process. Uh, Yeah. And so we do that, and I've learned when we get to the second course, just keep playing. Even though there's nothing there on paper, there's nothing, there's no music, just keep playing. And inevitably... Chrissy will sing the bridge. She starts ad-libbing. Verbatim, she will sing the bridge. It will be perfect. That's her process. You create the moment for her. She gets in the moment. She's worshiping, and out comes brilliance. Which is part of the process, actually. Like, I've I've known, uh, let's say, lyricists or or ones that don't see themselves as with any uh, instrumental ability and they're handicapped right? because there is something with the music or the instrumentation, and right. certainly you can add that, and I think I can add that as well. You're creating this atmosphere to what you feel, which is important as a sure. songwriter, sure. what feels right, right? What it, What is – sometimes we'll be recording and yeah. we'll go, stop, that didn't feel right, or 
we'll do something else because just instinctively we went somewhere else, yeah. which we yeah. kind of learned to trust our instincts right. with that, you know? Right. And, and that's actually a, an interesting question that I, I thought of this morning to ask you on this because, I, you know, I'll be the first one to say your instinct on songs is uncanny. You know, I totally trust your instinct. I think I'm getting better at it right through when I go, I think that's pretty good. Or you go, ah, oh, that one line doesn't quite work yet. Until, and then you get it and you go, now it's right. Like that process, can that be taught? Because that's pretty difficult. Or is it truly instinctive? Um it depends on at what level. Does that make sense what I'm yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, ask? Because yeah. I think it, that's really important. Because you go, that's a good song. And if they had just worked or had they just known to keep working and known when it's great. Yeah. That's I, a real hard thing. Yeah, as a I don't I don't think that people, songwriters, beginner songwriters, stop fully knowing they have a terrible line. I don't think they do that. I think they just don't know they have a terrible line. They have not honed their skills. I do believe that you can hone them. I don't think you can create a gift that has not been given. I think if you have a gift, you can hone that gift, and I think we're responsible for, for doing that. God gives certain people a gift, then they spend their lives honing that gift and making that sharp like a point of an arrow. And I think you can't take a process or a collegiate degree and turn that into a gifting that as a result, you are now gifted. You spent so much time, you're now gifted. I think, and, and I may be wrong about that, but I can tell you, I have, all the people that I think are miraculously gifted, I think were always gifted. And they that was their starting spot. And then they started to hone their skills. And I think, I think you can learn a lot. Mm. I can't tell a person who hasn't been gifted to understand um, uh, well, it's like it's like a great worship leader has a, has to have a gift to sense what the flock musically and lyrically needs to hear. I think there's part of that can that can be taught. You can bring them to the river, but you can't make them drink. You know, I mean, so to speak. You. There are worship leaders who are incredibly uncanny at sensing what the congregation needs in that moment, sensing those moments. Then I've I've actually heard amazing, amazing singers who are in worship leader jobs who are terrible at that because they're thinking about singing. They're not thinking right. about the congregation. In the same way in songwriting, you have to sense um, how you take the craft and and apply that to your song. And the, the crazy thing about it is young, inexperienced writers are really bad at being critical about their own songs. Because they have... Why is this, that? Do you think they just I, I, hold, I, it, too, I don't hold, know. hold it too closely? I think part like of... babies? Yeah, part of it is that. And they don't want to admit that there's something weak in that in that. Sure. thing. But I also think this, I think some of them have an over-spiritualization. They've over-dramatized what's been given to them. 
as if God dropped it from the sky, and you don't have to do anything. Don, every song I've written, <laughs> God amazing. has given yeah. to me. Don't ever yeah. say well, that see, it's, that's it why needs work. When I, when I meet writers, I ask them, play me the first song you ever wrote that you have a copy of it, and play me one you wrote yesterday. That'll tell me where you are as a songwriter. Any growth model at all, or did they drop out of the sky and they're all the same? But what happens sometimes when the last one they wrote, which was, it may be a process of years, and then the first one, and I'm not loving that, they say, well, I, I've got a hundred more. It's like, right. okay, I don't want to listen to those hundred <laughs> right. more because I listened to the first one and then the last one, and they're not that different. They're all, they're not great. There's no growth there. And so I would not discourage that writer. I would just say, look, if you're walking in the room alone, don't walk in the room alone. Get with somebody else. I mean, honestly, uh, I don't think of myself as such a great piano player. I mean, you, you are far more skilled as a piano player. You know all those blue chords, and I don't. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I look at it and go, okay, what is my gift? Because... If you find the greatest piano player around, he should be the greatest writer, right? Or melody writer? Actually, no. Some of the greatest piano players are terrible songwriters because it's all about their piano playing. They don't sense the melody inside of all of that. That's why I look at people like Burt Bacharach. Or going, Berlin, honestly, Irving Berlin, who, Irving who Berlin, could only oh, play in C and absolutely. couldn't play much, but his melodies are unbelievable. Absolutely. And I am one of those guys that's like, I've said this to you, man, for the love of God, can we put this in F sharp? I like all the black <laughs> notes. Can we do that? Can we put it in F sharp? Everybody hates F sharp except me because I'm self-taught. And so I, I hear things in my head, and then I try to get my fingers go to those notes to figure out what I'm hearing in my head. So I am not ruled by any kind of sense of skill that I've developed over time or anything as a piano player or anything that I'm, it's, I'm just searching. The piano exists to demonstrate what's in my sure. head. And Good. so I prefer G flat. Just, yeah, just well, yeah, well, see, to me, it's the same. <laughs> F sharp, play me an F sharp. Now play me a G flat. Oh, it's, it's very the different. same. It's very different. <laughs> see, not to me. Okay, it's, so let's get back to our process. So we're yeah. sitting down, we're, to, you know, we're playing. Sometimes we have, you know, I think one step in the process is we got to figure out what's verse, what's course, what's bridge. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, boy, I remember the song, uh, Your Name Alone, mm -hmm. uh, which you, you brought. Um, this chorus idea, which was la da dee da 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 dee da, and you're like, man, I really hear this chorus, and I was like, man, I totally hear that as a verse. Like, yeah. I want to, I want to now go somewhere, yeah. and because of the trust that we have in each other, we start playing around with the idea, idea, right. and that comes. There's been many songs, vice versa, we could say the same story. Right. So I, I think holding loosely. Ideas, Absolutely. I think, is really important. In fact, that's probably a good lesson of life: is that we hold things too tightly. But I think in songwriting, you ha we have to do that because there's times when I've written a chorus and you're like, "That's not a chorus; that's a bridge." That's where we're right. going, you know, or that that's a summation, right? Which is normally what a bridge is: a summation of the entire what you're trying to get across, right? right. So, talk a little bit about well, about there, that. There is a saying in the world of songwriting that you. You haven't written a great song until you've rewritten an average song. It's all in the rewrite. It's all in the rewrite. How many times do you think we rewrite? All the time. I mean, all yeah, the time. It, it's I, and, and that's why I find I find it 
disturbing to meet young kids who are writers. And they, they spend more time defending their idea. I could have had 27 ideas on the table. I really don't care that much. I just go, because I haven't validated the song until somebody else validates it. That's the joy of that process. Don't validate it in yourself, and you will be able to change it. The second thing, don't listen to it over and over and over and over again. People assume that I know how to play every song I've ever written. You wrote it. You should be able to sit down and play it. No, I write it and purposely forget it because I don't want to be anchored by that. When I have an idea, I do hold on to it loosely. So if I want a co-writer in the room, I want them to impact that song. Otherwise, I'm not going to put a co-writer in the room. I'm going to try and write it myself. There are some songs I really need to write by myself. And I, quite honestly, for years, I call those terrible songs. But I, it, it, that's just my process. I feed off of other people. And, and they're, when they get excited about something, I, it feeds me. And so my process is really kind of to to kind of go, hey, I want to I just look at the music loosely as if it's just I've, I've painted with one color, not all of them yet, mm. or I've penciled this out, um, and especially lyrically. There are many, many times where I listen to somebody's song and they are so proud, and they walk in and go, oh, this, yeah, this God gave me this song. It's great. So I listen to the song, and I really want to be an encourager. I try Although my wife says I have the gift of discouragement. That's a spiritual <laughs> gift. Not very many people know that's there. I have that gift. I didn't it's, realize I really that was did. there. Right, it's a spiritual gift. It's one of the it's, lesser it's chapters a, of the Bible. It's spiritual. Yeah. Something. Um, but I, I listen to it and I go, this is, this is a really average song, but you know you got an amazing idea right in the middle of your second verse that you have walked right on by. And so... I go after that and go, there's your idea. And if they're pliable enough, they can write a great song. Yeah. And the same thing happened. Uh, We wrote a tune called Sweet Exchange together. You had it going a completely different direction. Sweet Exchange was not even the title of anything. And in one of those lines that you had written, I went, that's that's the idea. Sweet Exchange, that's the idea. That's the song. I'll go all day long on that. Yeah, really... And so you you have to be that pliable to be looking at your song, always trying to figure out if you're on the right track or not. And you just, because I write a lot of songs, I, I'm okay to try and do that, to try and kind of hold on loosely and go, okay, uh, I just want to make sure that I use good songwriting skill in every song, whether it becomes a hit song or not a hit song, that has been skillfully written. Somebody Mm -hmm. skillful wrote this song. That's the greatest compliment. That's what I try to achieve. I couldn't predict a hit if I had to. You know, I just, I've always picked the wrong ones. You know, I think (laughs) this song is going to be a hit and there's another song I wrote on it and that's the one that takes off. And I go, I'm terrible at this. Like, Which is another reason, to your point, why every song should be skill, skillfully written mm-hmm. and, and carefully crafted, which, yeah. is, which is important. So we, we've written a song. We've actually sung it 
whether it's on a piano or wherever we are, whether in you know just in your studio or right. out out in the right. out on in your lake house. <clears throat> yeah, my lake house. Yeah. And uh, then we pull out your phone or right. my phone. Right. That's an important process, yeah. and we and we grab it right then and there. So if it's a, not already been in record the entire time, right, right, which that is, is true, which is very normal. I I I think sometimes I'll blurt something out and then completely forget, and then if a phone is running, then I'll go back. Yeah. But um, so yeah. you got to grab it right then. You'll mm-hmm. never remember. In fact, yeah. I keep our hookbook or whatever you yeah, want to call have a hookbook. it. A Man. phone is a hookbook yep. now for yep. the most part. I constantly am throwing ideas in there. You're doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, and then we have a unique process because of your ability to program songs. Program, for yeah. those of you that don't know, would be um, to take a song and pretty much completely put it in a full rhythm and or loops and synths and all right, that, right. putting it into Logic. You like to use Logic right. or Pro Tools or whatever you, whatever you right. use, but you, you tend to use Logic. And pretty much lay out what this song could and can do mm-hmm. with a full rhythm section behind it, right. which is unique because I think a right. lot of places don't have that ability. Sometimes they go into the studio and work it out with a live band. We love to do that just with you, me, and an office, right. right? And sometimes it's right in the moment. It's a part of the writing process that yep. that, that can't be ignored because sometimes, uh, like for instance, if I'm going to write a ballad, I have an idea for a ballad, and it's uh, I know where I want to write it. I probably want to write it at Brentwood Baptist Chapel on that piano in that room. If it's an up-tempo song, I want to write it with a bunch of gear because I want to put together some loops and something that gets my head and, and my co-writer's head in the moment. That's the biggest thing is to, to cr- try and create that moment so you can capture the right texture of lyrics, so to speak, mm-hmm. the right temp- mm-hmm. you know, temperature of lyrics, so to speak. Oh, you, know? you get to color. I mean, my word, Absolutely. it's like all Absolutely. of a sudden. And truly one of the best programmers there is, man. Well, I think you're incredible, you. which is part of, I think, the beauty of what we do here. We get to flesh out songs. We get to yeah, yeah. practice them. We get to yeah, yeah. tweak them. Right. We get to go, you know what? That is just a little bit high. And with a click of a button, it, you know, we have not spent all this money to record. We can work right. all that out in right. pre-record or pre, pre-production. Uh, pre-production mode, yeah. you know? So yeah. I think that's a real key to, to us writing. And then... Um, we bring our partner Lifeway into the process at some point. You know, right. even just this week, we'll have a songwriting meeting where we play right. a bunch of new songs. They get to weigh in, uh, and then it kind of goes out from there. So walk through kind of that process and towards the end of that, um, and okay. how that maybe get into print and or an artist see. Yeah, because I think the, that's part of the process. The process also is kind of deciding how to demonstrate your song, what your song really needs to present it correctly. If it's a piano vocal, do a piano vocal. If it's a program, spend the money. Trust me. You don't want to have your up-tempo song being played in a group of songs from other people who have spent money and hired programmers or whatever, and and their song sounds amazing, and you have an amazing song that sounds terrible, you will lose the cut. You will absolutely lose the cut. Because your assumption is the guys in the room who are helping to decide are pretty amazing at hearing through a really terrible demo. Not so much. I've There's very few people that I go, okay, I trust him enough. He can hear through just about anything. He'll hear the hit inside of a terrible demo. Sure. And so, but there are some people who want to hear it all stripped down so they can hear their own treatment of it. You got to find out who you're, you know, who you're trying to place that song with. And Which so, is important because yeah. I, I had 
just I think the listeners might find this interesting. I was um, out in California meeting with a friend who uh, was working on a Disney cut for Disney Shanghai. And he was walking me through some of those songs. And, of course, these are some amazing programmers. They gave it to, like, I don't know, eight or nine writers. And they brought these nine songs fully programmed. I mean, beautifully done, yeah, right? Yeah. And the last step in choosing the songs was to actually bring them back to the writers and say, I only want piano vocals of these songs. Right. Because the, the programming, to its credit right. can make it sound so absolutely. great. You can make a bad song sound really absolutely. cool, absolutely. you know, and there's there's a process that you got to make sure that the core That's of right. any song has got to be great. So that, I think that is an important process is what setting are we going to put this song into? Yeah. And I think, um, I think the process of uh, everybody's different is, is how if the songs are being rec- written to make it on a record as opposed to being written for your congregation, those songs actually never make it on a record. I don't want to invalidate that process. There's plenty of sure. really wonderful songs that never make it on a record, but they minister to congregations across the country, and that's great. But the record process is a process of scrutiny and at a high level, and you got to make sure that your song stands up to that scrutiny. Um, because you don't have what we have here. We have uh, a process of kind of an R&D process where I'm being fed information of whether that song's worked or not before it's ever gone into a record process. That's really valuable, you know. Um, And I think in general you can find out pretty quickly how a congregation is going to respond to your song. And they're not always kind. They will stand there silent as your really bad song that you think is really great, they don't get it, and they're not singing. And you should pay attention to that and respond in kind. Change your song. Not assume they're idiots and they're wrong. No, they're right. You're wrong. Your song ain't that great. You know? And so, (laughs) and until you're... Which has happened, it just, just for the uh, listener, it happens often. It just is part of the process. You will never be a great writer until you can admit your song is terrible. If it's terrible. Dude, not my songs. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there are songs I, gosh, I want to bury. I never want anyone to hear it so Okay, what's the worst song you've ever written? No, I can't. Yeah, come on, just give us a title. No, I don't Oh, wait, no, you can't do that, I guess, if there's a co-writer on it. That's exactly right. (laughs) By the way, here's the lesson, protect your co-writer. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Protect your co-writer. And, you know, that's uh, part of the process. When people ask how you wrote the song or what you, uh, what, through the process, you protect your co-write as always, always protect your co-write. You don't ever say things like, well, I wrote most of the song. He really kind of, no. It, you be like a smart basketball player. Well, if anything, you throw it the other way like we've done already right. on this it was, podcast. Yeah, it's like you go, you, the, the realities are, man, I'm, I was excited to be a part of the process. Right. It, it right. was. We ended up with a great song. It's really fantastic. If you want to walk in that room with that writer again, protect him. And because here's the process. You, if you're going to write a song with a person and not write with them again, great. But if you're trying to develop a relationship, it'll all come out in the wash. There will be songs that I walk in and I've written 60%, 70% of the song, but I just can't finish it without somebody else. Now, of course, I'm bringing it and I could trash the whole thing if my co-writer in there doesn't care for it. 
But if I if most of it sticks, I will never tell that story because there'll be times when that person walks in That's at sixty percent, right. and I want him to call me. I want to be in the room for that. I maybe I have the twenty thirty percent. Gold that can come together, and to me, that's not twenty. That's not twenty, thirty percent. That's fifty percent. Everything's fifty percent. Everything we do in the room is fifty percent, because we do not know in our conversations as we're drinking coffee what inspired me to go that direction in something we said or did. It's it just I I that pro, that part of the process I'm so protective of. I just look if you if you don't want to. To co-write a song, don't. But the moment you walk in the door, anything you bring to that table, go 50-50. Trust me, it'll come out in the wash. Relationships will be protected. And you'll write a lot of songs, man. Yeah, that's good. And the realities of Christian music is that you're pushing fries. You're making that much money, really. You can order the large fries if you're successful in that room. <laughs> and so you're you can argu- order the latte yeah, you, of the black coffee. The realities are you're arguing is so little. You know, don't assume that, hey, Tomlin's gonna cut this song and we're all gonna make a bunch of money. No, Tomlin's <laughs> not. You know, so That's great. but also probably one of the greatest gifts that a publisher has ever bestowed upon me is to influence me with one word, and that is patience. Be patient. As a songwriter, my biggest song I have ever had cut sat on the shelf for three years. That's a long time to watch something not go well. And we're talking biggest artists in Christian music passing on it, go, yeah, no. That'll that'll hurt you. That'll go, I thought I wrote it. I thought this is the bomb right here. And then God had a different plan, and just it'll come in the craziest of ways. If you are faithful to keep doing what you're doing, and you have been given kind of command to care for this gift you've been given and to grow it, and you walk it out, and you just be faithful to do it and turn it into a, a habit, it's a good word, man. Yeah, so. Well, and I would say one more thing on just as I'm thinking here on our, our process. You you do this well. Um, I certainly have tried my life to do this, but you know, as a songwriter, I think the most important thing on the resource of creativity is the Word of God. My dad Absolutely. used to say, Absolutely. John, if you stay in the Word of God, you'll never lack for creativity. That's and right. our best ideas, I can say this without hesitation, right. our best ideas is straight from scripture when you go, man, I've been chewing on this concept or man, did you see that line or, you know, all it's just, or what comes from pastor's messages when he's preaching something, it's just, man, it hits us between the eyes. So man, I think all creativity starts there. I truly do believe that. So dude, thanks for your time today. You're Mm -hmm. the best. I truly mean that. Love having you on the team and hope this uh, blesses you, the listener. And um, if you got more questions, shoot it our way. Um, You can email us at friends at firstworship.com. You can check up all our resources. In fact, I will say this shameless plug, but we have a new musical that just came out. It's called Always a King. Always a King. And excited about that. It's a Christmas multi-gen worship experience. So it kind of incorporates all eight 
stages and stages. It was fun. It's pretty good, man. It's good. Yeah. Written uh, yeah. quite a few song, new songs on that. There's like six or seven new songs on that, yeah. so you can kind of see the end product of, uh, yeah. of what we've been talking about today. You can hear the whole project at firstworship.com. And uh, thanks for listening today. Like us, check us out on Facebook, all those things I'm supposed to say at the end of the podcast. Do it. Um, we appreciate you listening today, and we'll catch you next time. Friends of First Worship Podcast. Thanks for joining us today on the Friends of First Worship podcast. If you're new to us, we invite you to take a minute to subscribe. If you enjoyed today's episode and felt like the content was useful to you, feel free to share it on your social media platforms. Lastly, don't forget to check us out on Facebook or online at firstworship.com. And if you have any questions for our teams, feel free to submit those to questions at firstworship.com. See you next time on the Friends of First Worship podcast.